cybersecurity now gets an immense amount of attention. It hasn't always been this way, but there were people who were thinking about this 20 or even 30 years ago. I'm Jim Lewis, Senior Vice President and Director of the Technology Policy Program here at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. This podcast, Cyber from the Start, goes to the roots of cybersecurity. It looks at how we develop the policies we have for critical infrastructure, surveillance, espionage, warfare, and privacy. Looking at this and talking to the people who helped lay the foundations will help us see where we started and how we ended up where we are today. Today we're talking to Neil Sharon, who's one of the original pioneers of cybersecurity, starting out in the Critical Information Assurance Office, the Chow, way back when. She's now the founder and president of Trinity Cybersecurity. What was it like working with the private sector in this? How you you did this starting with the Chow and then going on, so part of the partnership. I think you didn't have a choice. DHS is really the one that makes the best sense on some ways, only the only sense. But you have to work with the private sector guys, and they can be, you know, cantankerous sometimes or reluctant. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, You know, admittedly, um, one of the things I looked at, I look back and say, I wish I had had some of the experiences I've had Mm. Mm post-government prior to serving in the role. Um, Most of us that at the time were addressing this issue uh, either were new to it or had spent years in the government. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I left government and worked in the private sector, both at a defense firm and and now as an entrepreneur, I look at that um, very differently, right? And so I say, um, working with the private sector was a challenge in those early days, um, but not probably in the way you think. You know, everyone I worked with, they all wanted to do the right thing. Uh, I had the privilege of working with both the NSTAC and the NIAC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, CEOs, leaders of some of the critical infrastructure, um, making recommendations directly to the president around what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the amount of time and effort and energy these people devoted to this, these issues outside of their workday was amazing. And mm-hmm. And everyone wanted to try to address a lot of these problems. I think one of the biggest challenges is that in many ways, we spoke past each other. Mm. And the language of government in many ways doesn't translate to the language of business and vice versa. Um, And I wish I had been able to engage the private sector more directly and um, more regularly. You know, one of the things people don't talk about very often is within government, especially within the White House, you're limited right. in how you can engage with the private sector. It has to be a completely open process. FACA. Um, FACA, all yeah. kinds of rules and regulations around. But Federal Advisory Committee Act, that's it. Yes, around for- how you ask for mm-hmm. advice. And I understand the, yeah. the reasoning behind all that. Sure. But in many ways, that means that you're hampered from having some of the really valuable conversations with key leaders in the private sector around, you know, here's an idea we're Mm -hmm. kicking around. Does this make sense? How would this impact your business? Mm -hmm. How would this impact you and your colleagues? And that frank discussion is often limited um, from occurring. And so, uh, you know, working with them was important. 
Um, I will say my perspective has really changed hmm. having been on the outside um, and seeing it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, having now you know, spent time in government and multiple agencies, really spending the majority of my time in government running an interagency process. You know, I, I joke with folks a lot um, in the cyber realm, it's almost like each one of us was blindfolded describing an elephant. And depending on where you stood, you described it vastly different. What did you think of the idea of a cyber coordinator? Uh, there was a lot of back and forth on that about, you know, some of it was the different administrations give different weight to the Homeland Security Council. Some of it is, uh, you know, should it be at the agency, at, at an agency, uh, or should it be in the White House? I mean, what was your sort of thinking on the cyber coordinator, which is sort of in limbo right now. Yeah. Um, You know, there are very different views. I will tell you, um, I'm really proud to be part of an organization that looked at it from the aspect of it not being about one person, Mm -hmm. but rather about the initiatives that needed to happen and occur across the various departments and Mm -hmm. agencies. Um, You know, funny enough, my successor in many ways, um, you know, after Melissa was Michael Daniel. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was there, he was at OMB. Mm-hmm. And so we worked very closely together where he helped um, make sure that the budget requests match the CNCI goals. Hmm. And so I can't tell you the amount of time we spent together pouring over budget requests, making sure that what we were giving them in money matched the priorities that were just articulated in a document, right? And so... Um, we didn't want it to be a task of one department or one agency, but rather something where it needed to be brought together. I'll share a funny story with you. So, um, you know, my background isn't technical. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was very important to make sure that within my directorate, I had the right expertise. Um, I-, I follow the rule around know what you don't know. And um, so not only did I make sure I surrounded myself with true experts technically, but I also made sure they reflected multiple entities that had a role in cybersecurity, uh, whether that was CIA, NSA, FBI, Secret Service, DHS, to really make sure that the staff brought that all together to not approach any of the issues we were dealing with from one perspective. Um, so I am, you know, a new SAP responsible for cybersecurity. I, I go to, we have what is an incident. Uh, and I go to get the briefing information on it. And I was given three different briefs from three different agencies that were shockingly different. <laughs> and I looked at it and said, okay, what am I going to brief up? Where is the truth in this? Because each aspect had pieces that were in agreement and pieces that were in conflict. And so <laughs> what's right, <laughs> right? And at the end of the day, it all falls into how you're viewing this, right? Um, and so each of those perspectives in my um, view need to be weighed. And I do think there is a role of coordination that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that coordination needs to be one in which we've um, made sure we've learned lessons about where effective coordination happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't just create a cyber czar and not give them the resources or the ability to influence the departments and agencies. Um, but I think you're really challenged if we create yet a new organization mm-hmm. to address cyber. Um, I would say we need to learn the lessons from having done this previously and make sure that we say, okay, 
what is this new organization tasked with doing? And what does that mean for the organizations that do it today, right? And um, is the organization responsible for criminal aspects, terrorist aspects, national security aspects, defense aspects? Because depending on what you task them with, the solutions and the way that they go about it are dramatically different. And so I would just caution people to put all their eggs in one basket and one organization because um, I actually find that at times diversity and diversity of view and role actually, I think, leads to a better approach to a solution. At one point, we thought about a couple of us, uh, what would a USTR for cyber look like? And it was just a little unwieldy, you know. And so, but we had went through, do you want someone from OMB sitting there, like be dual-hatted? Do, how do you drag agencies in? And over time, it's clear it wouldn't have worked as well as we might have hoped originally, I think. Yeah, I mean, in a real practical sense, agencies mm -hmm. are a challenge, right? So mm -hmm. um, most of what we've done and accomplished in cyber has been done through presidential directives, mm -hmm. presidential executive orders, or memoranda. And the president can only direct the cabinet. Mm -hmm. And so when you create an independent agency, yeah. the president can't direct them. And so if you really do want someone who can look across, who can implement a policy, um, you need to think about that. Now, I will tell you one of the lessons learned is if you have a very strong OMB colleague, there is nothing more you can ask for. And so funny enough, we were talking about the mm. evolution of the yeah. CNCI. Uh, I had the privilege of having two very strong, great OMB colleagues. I, I mentioned Michael Daniel, who had the budget side. And then there was Karen Evans sure. uh, from the eGov side, mm -hmm. right? And so you had the ability um, to say— Currently back in the— Currently uh, back. Harness right, yeah. to, at energy. Right. You had a strong voice to help you as you looked across the departments and agencies to understand um, and to help in your power of persuasion mm -hmm. to make sure you were getting the right things done. How big a shock was it when you left government to go into the private sector? What was different? What What was the first thing you had to relearn? You know, I had spent years hearing how bureaucratic the government is. Um, first thing I would tell you is that large corporations can have their own bureaucracy <laughs> about them. Um, but the big challenge was around understanding a little bit more about the argument that was needed in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And so um, understanding for the first time that you needed to be able to articulate your spend as it related to any cybersecurity activity that cybersecurity is inherently a cost center. I think that it is important to for businesses to be able to articulate how the steps they're taking in cybersecurity help further the business goals okay. of the organization yeah. in which they work. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn to talk about cybersecurity in a language of business, right? How mm -hmm. does this reduce my risk? How does this help the government how does this help me as a corporation achieve my corporate goals? Right? How do I know that um, I am taking the right actions, even if those actions are more than, say, my closest competitor, to ensure the security of my intellectual property or um, my customers' data? Now, oftentimes, you know, we talk about cybersecurity and we throw that phrase out. And in a corporate environment, I think everyone knows that cybersecurity is important. Um, I don't think everyone has the same view of what cybersecurity is. Uh, and mm -hmm. kudos um, actually to Suzanne Spaulding, who 
um, articulated this with a great analogy, and I like to think about it in analogies. She said, you know, that's a lot like weapons of mass destruction. We all were worried about them, but until we started to define them more narrowly into what specifically we were talking about, we didn't start to address the problem. And I think in many ways that still occurs in cyber. So when you say cybersecurity, what do you mean? Do you mean the theft of intellectual property? Um, do you mean phishing scams? Do you mean criminal activities? You know, do you mean a nation state attack? What do you mean? Is this about identity theft? Is it fraud? It, we're so vague and we throw this phrase out there. Um, you know, cybersecurity is often used as an adjective. It's a it's a verb. It's it's everything you want it to yeah, be. Like you wrote some piece about we can't even agree on whether it's one word or two. And That's so, cyber warfare. Yes, we can't agree. So it's yes. just in the cyber security is the same way. I so know. I, I fall in the one word category. Uh, I tend to like that too. I can't remember what spell check says, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we've spent a lot of time um, mm. defining terms relating to cybersecurity in the defense realm, mm -hmm. right? So. You know, we spend a lot of time debating what is um, computer network attack, what's mm -hmm. computer network defense, what's computer network exploitation, all valuable things to understand, but none of it translates into the commercial world. And so one of the, the things that was, um, you know, eye-opening to me when I left was learning to talk about cyber in a language of business. Mm -hmm. Well, I went uh, to a small startup and then to a was acquired uh, by a large defense firm. So mm -hmm. I spent my time yeah. in a defense firm, which obviously target of attack, uh, and also a partner to help the U.S. government address mm -hmm. the the vulnerabilities and, and to run many of their cybersecurity programs. Mm -hmm. And that was a really unique perspective, you know. But again, large organization. And so now, being an entrepreneur with a small startup, it's yet a different challenge. And um, I think that as we look to address the cybersecurity problems, we need to look at it from all those perspectives. What did you have to do to translate cybersecurity into business terms? I mean, what were the key issues that you had to get across? My own impression is that it's much better than it was, say, a few years ago that, you know, in 2008, if you'd gone to boards, they would have sent you to their CISO or CIO at best. Now it's a board issue. What did you have to do to make that happen and to translate it into business speak? You know, I would say that there's been a lot of effort mm -hmm. to make this a board issue. And I think part of making a board issue is learning to talk about it in ways that are accessible to everyone. You know, oftentimes we tend to talk about cyber in really technical terms. And in doing so, you know, people just tune out. Mm -hmm. Unless you're very technical, you, you you tune out. You know, no one wants to spend three hours on, you know, a minute technical yeah. detail. They just, they don't find that interesting. I, I gave a talk once at DOD where I suggested somewhat, it was a CFIUS presentation. And if you couldn't understand your CISO, you should fire them. So that was a bit extreme, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the blessings of not coming into this world with a technical background is uh -huh. uh, I ask a lot of questions. And I asked why a lot. And you find that the more you challenge someone on the why, mm -hmm. it makes them get to the more simplistic answer. And if they couldn't answer me in very common, to your point, English terms, I question whether they understood it. Yeah. Because if you have to use complex terms to answer it, um, yeah. it means you haven't broken it down into the fundamentals of what you're recommending. 
So what was it like to go from a really big company to a startup? What made you go to a startup? Ah, so I went to a startup. Um, I started my own company based yeah. on frustration of how we were handling cyber. Uh-huh. And Who is this we? Uh, the we, U.S., the government, the company? The government, the U.S. Um, it was realizing that the critical infrastructure sectors that I oh. thought we were going to be addressing, mm -hmm. you know, originally the whole idea of CNCI was to enable DHS to protect federal networks with a view towards eventually protecting private sector networks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a post-Snowden environment, you look at that and say, okay, um, there's been a lot of trust that's been lost. Mm -hmm. And so the ability of the federal government to effectively protect the private sector is probably even more limited. Mm. Um, you know, there's the bigger discussion around, uh, you know, would the private sector ever truly share information with the government mm -hmm. if it's the same organization that has the potential to regulate them? Yeah, yeah. Right? The, the arguments we've heard for quite some time. But... Um, I knew that we needed to take a different approach. Mm -hmm. And part of it was the frustration that, you know, we'd been talking about the same things for 19 <laughs> years mm -hmm. and recommending the same things and expecting it to suddenly have a different outcome. And it was this realization that unless we try to address the issue differently, we're going to keep getting the same outcome. Mm -hmm. um, so what is, that, what is that different approach? Well, if it's not giving away the secret sauce. Uh, so not giving away the secret sauce, I think the difference is instead of focused on trying to protect all the endpoints and protect internally, focusing on the how and focusing on the adversary, mm -hmm. right? Um, the irony that didn't escape me was, you know, our cyber doctrine is in many ways uh, based in defense and intelligence history. And the defense department doesn't plan um, without considering who they are likely to fight against, right? Who Who is that adversary and how am I going to defend against their tactics? The intel community even looks at what is the future, right? So they do these big studies mm -hmm. of what is the future 10, 15 years from now going to look like and what will the intel community need to address that? And yet when we look at cyber, we look at it in a framework of standards. <laughs> and... Um, for all of the very beneficial things that come out of the NIST standards, that entire NIST framework never once mentions an adversary. And so how do you talk about protection if you haven't really articulated what you're protecting against? And it was also this realization that um, we are so focused on response and recovery that we've given up on the ability to prevent. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in my view, I wasn't willing to give up on that. I think that's a key point because you're always, if you're in the reactive mode, you're always going to be behind. You are. Um, and back to the analogies, you know, being involved in critical infrastructure yeah. protection and um, seeing DHS and FEMA, I look at it and say it's kind of like, you know, deciding that you're going to assess the security or assess um, or uh, determine the success of a of the protection mm -hmm. plan um, by how many blue roofs you have after an event <laughs> versus trying to prevent it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes in cyber, we forget that there's a person on the other end. Mm -hmm. You know, back to the technical piece, people tend to talk about cyber in a really technical way. Yeah. Um, and in doing so, we miss a lot of the really meaty, fun policy issues. And when you step back and say, 
It's a one and zen zeros, but there's a person on the other end. And what are they going to do? And what can I do to make that ineffective? And when you think about it in that hmm. context, it's interesting. Um, it becomes a much more interesting pursuit. This is, in many ways, a game of cat and mouse. So we're at the end of our time. But what would you do now? I mean, if you had one or two things that you could change, what would they be? What would you want to see? Because we are coming into uh, sort of another cycle, dreadful as it may seem, of uh, there'll be an election and either this administration will continue or a new administration will come in. What would you tell them to do? What are the things you think that we need to to move out quickly on? And I worry that we'll have people say, well, are you going to do another commission? And it's like, no, I'm not going to do another commission because I could just change the date on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but putting that aside, putting aside Because our, there are many great recommendations that have yet to be implemented. You know, and the, 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 it's available on our website. But um, what would you do? Uh, a couple things. Huh. I think we need to um, take the opportunity to really address roles and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, it mm. means that from a department and agency standpoint, from a cabinet official standpoint, and from a congressional standpoint, uh, folks need to assess who should be doing what. And finally, start to address some of the conflicting authorities, mm -hmm. right? So make it clear, who do we want to do what? Because when you have multiple people doing it, um, there's no one person to hold responsible. Uh, and so I think that that piece is important. I think we narrow, need to more clearly define what aspects of cybersecurity we're attempting to address. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to be specific in the recommendations as to how they address each aspect of cybersecurity because your recommendations will be different depending on whether you're talking about a nation state and nation state responsibilities or whether you're talking about identity theft or fraud. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we need to address the overall challenge that um, the traditional framework that we use doesn't necessarily apply in cyber. And we need to allow the policies to be written in a way that are flexible enough mm -hmm to account for how quickly technology changes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things we've really missed. You know, we've created all these constructs yeah. that don't change quickly enough with technology, whether it was CLIA or FISA or CFIUS mm -hmm. or um, investigative authorities or DHS's role or Cyber Command. Mm -hmm. We create these sort of permanent institutions without uh, an acknowledgement that technology is constantly changing. So how do you create institutions hmm. that can adjust as rapidly as the technology changes? Hmm. That's a pretty good wish list. Did, did, <laughs> did, maybe it'll happen. I mean, uh, you know, usually looking at history, it takes the U.S. between 20 and 40 years to adjust to a new technology. So perhaps we're halfway through. Um, you know, that's the good news. Maybe we're closer to fixing this than I, I think, but. I think if we were to break this into, mm -hmm. um, you know, some smaller steps, mm -hmm. I think we've put forward really huge initiatives. And then the criticism mm -hmm. is we haven't achieved these huge initiatives yet. Um, but we have achieved little steps along the way. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it is mm -hmm. actually being more concrete about what are the smaller things we could do in the short term that would have an impact 
instead of trying to make the kind of sweeping change um, that we've all known needs to occur. Have I missed anything? What would you add? You know, the one thing I would add is um, I, I find the podcast series really fascinating because so many of the folks uh, that we hear from today as thought leaders in cybersecurity were quietly around the table when much of this mm -hmm. was done, right? So um, Amit Uran was the first director of the NCSD <laughs> over at DHS, mm -hmm. right? So one of the first um, was DHS Cyber and now runs Tenable. Sean Henry was the representative from the FBI in the mm -hmm. policy committee meetings mm -hmm. who's now, you know, CloudStrike. Right. Uh, Chris Painter was the State Department representative. You had Michael Daniel and Karen Evans from OMB. Um, you had Melissa Hathaway from mm -hmm. the intelligence community. You know, you had all these different people that have gone on to um, continue their career in cyber. And yet we had this really unique period in time in which quietly we were all working together mm -hmm. to try to create mm -hmm. um, a plan around how the federal government should address this. And I think the fundamental framework that was there is still probably the right framework. The question is, how do we make those tasks? What that would you given? say that fundamental framework is? Sorry to interrupt, but no, it was around yeah. um, trying to define who does what, right? So giving DHS the authority to handle federal networks, talking about the role of NSA and DoD, um, establishing the need to focus on R and D. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about is who's handling the cyber threat issues surrounding newer technology. Mm -hmm. And by that, I don't even mean just autonomous vehicles or um, quantum computing and mm -hmm. quantum key encryption. But, you know, we're getting ready to, to fight wars in a autonomous cross-domain environment. Who's on point to handle the cybersecurity mm. aspects of that, yeah. right? Because it crosses every one of those organizations. But really setting That's a That's a hard one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but really setting a framework where we say... This is the area of your expertise. Please go focus on that. Mm -hmm. You know, NSA is an intelligence organization that needs to be focusing on the cyber intelligence. DOD Cyber Command is a defensive organization that needs to be focused on the defense department's aspects of cybersecurity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, FBI, Secret Service have different unique aspects as it relates to um, investigation of cybercrime. They both need to be supported in those roles and those responsibilities. Um, and so mm. making sure that we're really clear in the expertise that's brought to the table and appreciate that and trying and not trying to have each department sort of add to their fiefdom of responsibility. <laughs> uh, that's a good note to end on. Neil, thank you so much for doing this. It was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Cyber From The Start. You can hear an unedited full version of my interview on the Technology Policy Program page at CSIS.org. There's some interesting stuff in those longer interviews. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. See you on the next episode of Cyber From The Start. <laughs>